The title is Partnering with God's Purposes. Partnering with God's Purposes. We're going to continue our study through the book of Acts. Uh, But before we jump in this morning, I just want to kind of define what a church is, right? We're the New River Valley Church, and the church is the gathered people of God. And the gathered people of God occurs at kind of the boundary line or the margin between heaven and earth. And what that means is that as the gathered gathered people of God, living in the kingdom of heaven, yet still in this world... Uh, we got to talk about things in this world too, right? And so, uh, happy Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Go Bengals. Maybe, no? Yeah, Dang, that's tough, yo. An underdog story. Come on, they've never won. My guy. Uh, so, Go Bengals, maybe. Uh, but the other thing, and probably 50 uh, million times more important, is happy Black History Month. That's right. And, uh, we, you know, we didn't meet here last week, so this is my first uh, February Sunday with you guys. Uh, but happy Black History Month, and we're going to have to keep talking about that this month. Um, but as we uh, open up the book of Acts this morning, let's join together in a word of prayer. Holy Father God, thank you for this time this morning. God, thank you that we are a gathered people, gathered in your name, holy and dearly loved to you. But God placed at the intersection of heaven and earth. God, and as we're at the intersection of this world, Lord, we pray that we can be a beacon of light and hope, that we can be a city on a hill, Lord, and that you can fill us with your spirit so that we can preach the gospel at the intersection of heaven and earth to every people and every place with which you've placed us. Lord, we pray that this morning you guide us by your spirit, Lord, and we pray that you open up our ears a little wider, our hearts a little wider. Uh, to hear and receive your word to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. Acts 16, verse 1. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on his journey So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I'm going to pause there. This is the word of the uh, Lord. Thanks be to God. So I struggled there. Um, we're going to do a little exercise. Uh, but before we do, you know, have you ever gone somewhere that you, you knew you probably weren't supposed to? I know Bruce has. Uh, have you guys ever, you know, maybe joined company that you knew was not good company to keep? 
Yeah. All right. So when I say what I should have done was, you guys are going to say, leave. And when I say what I didn't do was, you guys are going to say, listen. And so one time as a teenager, I went to, uh, yeah, whenever a story starts out one time as a teenager, you know, uh uh-oh. But I went to a local kind of city carnival. And it was at this big Catholic church, and they did it every year. And um, I went there, and I was going with some friends that uh, weren't exactly the best influences. And you know when you start hanging out with some friends that aren't the best influences, and then you kind of like join with other friends, and the, the crowd gets bigger and bigger of all these people who are bad influences, right? That's what happened, right? So I go with a few friends, not great influences. We kind of meet up with other friends, worse influences. You know, it starts uh, compounding. And what I should have done was... Leave. Yeah, just that. But I didn't. You know, as uh, this time spent together at this carnival, we inevitably, inevitably, of course, uh, kind of snuck into this like little courtyard area that the church had. That's like not part of the carnival at all. We snuck into this courtyard. And I, you know, what I should have done was leave. leave. But I didn't. And as we snuck into that courtyard, some of the, uh, my friends, you know, friends, uh, started pulling out paraphernalia. And uh, you know what they do with paraphernalia, right? They start smoking weed. And so <laughs> these friends start smoking weed, and I'm just kind of sitting there awkwardly, right? And what I should have done was leave. And I could tell, you know, the Holy Spirit was kind of telling me, right? He's like, man, you shouldn't be here. You know, I kind of felt that nudge inside of me, like, I don't belong here. This is not where I should be right now. But what I didn't do was listen. And so they started smoking weed. And there's only one entrance to this courtyard. And guess who shows up? The cop. You know, the, the popo, the police shows up. And so he's blocking the one entrance. And you guys know what I did then? I jumped an eight-foot fence and ran. <laughs> so then what I did do was leave. <laughs> And I dipped. I was gone. I I left all my friends behind and just said. And uh, they ended up not getting in trouble, I guess. I don't know. I saw them like days later. But uh, I was gone. But what I should have done, when I knew the Holy Spirit was nudging me and telling me I shouldn't be here, what I should have done was listen. You know, that, that feeling when the Holy Spirit's prodding your conscience, right? Now, as we continue our series through Acts today, we see the Apostle Paul as he begins his second missionary journey. And at the end of Acts 15, he had kind of found partners in his mission. He'd gathered around him a a few brothers that that he was going to go on this mission with. And then right away in Acts 16, we see Paul meets this guy named Timothy, this young dude who is known for being a faithful follower of Jesus. And so Paul starts building a relationship with him. And, and most commentators think that, that Timmy's father had passed away prior to this point. Uh, because the language is, is all past tense about his father had been a Greek. And so Paul starts to become like a father figure to Timbo. And he invites him to join in his missionary endeavors. And Paul, you know, in Timmy, finds a new partner. And so they continue on their mission work, right? And they start traveling to different cities strengthening the gathered disciples, just like we are today, and preaching the gospel. All that sounds great, right? Nobody has any issues with that. That's a great Christian thing, right? But then something crazy happens. 
we start reading in the text that the Holy Spirit keeps them from preaching the word in the province of Asia. And then we read that they tried to enter Bithynia to preach the word there as well, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them there either. And we start reading that and we're like, why would the Holy Spirit not let people preach the gospel somewhere? Why would he not let them enter into that city? And the text starts getting a little strange. We start wondering, well, what does that even mean? What is happening here that God would not let them enter those places? And uh, we get a little map here. This is a map of Paul's second missionary journey. And he started over there in Jerusalem. Then they went to Antioch. Jerusalem was Acts 15 with the Jerusalem conference. Then they went to Antioch. And then they begin this journey. And from there, you can follow the, uh, the red lines this way. And they go through uh, Lystra and Iconium. And that's where Timothy joins them, right? But from there, they start traveling. And first, they come to the province of Asia. And down in Asia, you got Smyrna, you got Ephesus, you got Colossae, some really big and important cities, right? And so Paul and his companions, they're on this missionary journey and they're going that way and they want to go into the province of Asia to all these major cities, but the Spirit of God keeps them from going there. That's why there's next there. And then they go up and they're going to go into Mycenae and the Bithynia, right? The big old area of Bithynia, but the Spirit of the Lord keeps them from going there too. What does that even mean? I think it means that God spoke to them. And he might have spoken out loud to one of them. He might have, you know, maybe one of them heard this booming voice that says, do not enter Asia. (laughs) Maybe. But more likely, I think that Paul and Silas and Timothy had developed a conversational relationship with God where they can hear God's voice. They they can hear and listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to them in silence, in their moments of prayer, in their scripture reading. They don't think they needed a voice to boom from heaven, but they could tell in their spirit when they spent time with God that this is not the direction that he's taking them. And they just knew that God was telling them not to go there, at least not yet. And sometimes when we're partnering with God's purposes, notice I didn't say when we're partnering with Benjamin's purposes, right? When we're partnering with God's purposes, we come across the idea of God preventing a good thing for the best thing. I think sometimes that means God is trying to teach us to say no to the good things in weight of God's better things. But the best things, the best thing isn't necessarily the best thing in the world's eyes. It's not even necessarily the best thing in Ben's eyes. The best thing is the best thing in God's eyes, in his eyes. And for whatever reason, we might speculate, God actually prevented these guys from going into these places and preaching the gospel. A good thing. And maybe it was because the people in those cities weren't yet ready to have Paul and Timothy and Silas visit them. Maybe they just weren't yet ready. Their heart wasn't softened yet that they were ready for God's word to come and be preached to them. Maybe. Or maybe, it was Paul and Timothy and Silas, they weren't ready to be the ones to bear the message for those people. They weren't ready to have the humility they needed or the boldness they needed. Who knows? God does. We're not positive. But I think about you know, when I, you know, I felt that feeling, man, I shouldn't be here with those friends at that carnival, right? Like, this isn't a good setting. I didn't yet know that a cop was going to show up. 
I didn't yet know that they were going to pull out drug paraphernalia. You know, but I could feel something inside of me saying, yeah, they shouldn't be here, right? I didn't yet know, but God did. Tried to speak to me and direct me otherwise. I think sometimes the Spirit of God prevents us from doing good things. When I was 21 years old, almost 22, uh, some spiritual leaders that I really admired asked Melina and I to replant a small church in a big city in upstate New York. And as a 21-year-old, I had great dreams and desires to partner with God and his purposes to change the world. And as a 21-year-old, this idea was just exciting and a dream come true in many ways. But over the next month or so, I could tell that the Spirit of God was preventing me from going there. And at that time, I didn't yet know where I would land or where Melina would land. We were just dating at the time. In that same time, I got a call from a pastor uh, who's a friend and mentor in Trinidad. If you don't know where Trinidad is, it's a little island right off the northeast coast of uh, uh, South America. And he gave me a call asking me if I was willing to go down there and uh, join him in, in, in these missionary efforts with a church down there. And again, I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, I've always dreamed of being a missionary somewhere. That's incredible. And I'd been to Trinidad before on a mission trip. And to move there to a place I loved with people I loved and a culture I loved, I was like, oh, that, that's incredible. But this time too, it seemed God's spirit was telling me not to walk through that door. And for me, God spoke through trusted advisors, spoke through my girlfriend, Melina, at the time. He spoke through the silence of prayer. And the Lord was calling me to stay put and wait. And as the months passed, I still did not yet know where I would land. My deadline of needing to accept a position somewhere was approaching. And as I waited, I became more and more uh, antsy, more and more anxious, more and more insecure. And in my anxiety and my insecurity and my antsiness, if that's a word, I started to become more irritable, less hopeful. And I started to wonder, is God really with me? Is he really going to reveal something to me? Am I, do I have to make this decision on my own? God, I want to serve you. Why do I not feel your presence and your guidance? I knew the Lord would guide me, but I didn't yet know how or where. But I landed here, y'all. <laughs> you know, I've been here for some years now, and we've had hard years. We've had years that were, we were faced with opposition. We had years uh, where there was times of refining and hardship. But one thing I've been, become convinced of is that God has put us here for a reason. And would Trinidad or Buffalo, you know, or one of these other cities have been an amazing experience? Yeah, maybe. But God was putting us here. You know, I think about cities like Charlottesville or Toronto, both cities that are very near and dear to our hearts that we love. And cities that we might have landed in, but we didn't land there. God did not direct us to those places. He directed us here. And so what is my obligation here? to preach the gospel and listen to the spirit. But the problem I notice in myself is that when I have a hard time kind of just waiting, I also have a hard time listening. And do you guys remember what I should have done was listen. Listen for the spirit of God. I don't leave the spirit of God. Listen, listen. And I listen for the spirit of God. And I think God is always speaking. We just got to open our ears to hear. You know, even in silence, God speaks. 
Remember that still small voice we talked about a few weeks ago? We've got to learn to follow his promptings so we can partner with him in his purposes. And for me, I can feel pretty certain of my calling. You know, sometimes I've wanted my role to be different. You know, I've wanted to not have to do whatever I'm doing, but I just can't escape God's calling. You know, I'm certain of God's calling, but I feel a whole lot less comfortable with his communicating sometimes, with his guidance with me. And I'm like, I know I need to be here, but where are you, God? What am I supposed to do? And it's then that I start to get anxious and irritable. I start becoming a bit hopeless. And on the other hand, sometimes I know God is calling me to something that I don't want to do. And that's really hard too. You know, when I know I should have an uncomfortable conversation with someone, but I'm scared to have it. I don't want to have it. You know what I'm tempted to do? Just kind of, yeah, I guess maybe run, jump the fence, right? Uh, I'm, I'm tempted to close my ears. I'm tempted to stop listening. I'm tempted to act like I didn't hear God. You know what I'm saying? Um, sometimes God is calling me to not watch that show or that video on TikTok. Or when God is calling me to be sacrificial with the little, t- you know, me time, quote unquote, me time that I have. And God's calling me to go serve someone else or do something with someone that I don't necessarily want to, like, it's not something I want to do. And it's my little free time, but God's saying, you know, you need to be with that person. It's those moments where I'm tempted to ignore the voice of God directing me, calling me higher, or telling me not to do something. Do you recognize the voice of God in you? That little voice inside of you that's just nudging you. It's not forcing you, but it's just nudging you. Because I think Paul and Timothy, or Timmy, if you want to call him that, and this group of missionaries, I think they were learning to say no. And God was teaching them to say no to a good thing in weight of his best thing. God was teaching them to follow his voice for the sake of partnership in his purposes. And for you, what might God be trying to teach you to say no to? Is there some good endeavor that you just know is keeping you from partnering with God in the specific area that he's calling you to? Or is there something in your life that you know, that little voice inside of you, you know God is urging you to say no to that thing, to stop that activity, but you just haven't been taking it seriously? Or maybe you're pretending not to hear. You know, we we all know, right, when we uh, pretend not to hear something. (laughs) You know, when your wife tells you, hey, lift up the seat when you're going to go pee, right? And you pretend not to hear her, you know? And you you didn't hear her, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We've all gotten... (laughs) We've all gotten a little distracted from our calling at times where we kind of stop listening to certain things because of other good things. Quick time in the bathroom. You know, our Bithynias and our provinces of Asia have gotten in our way too. They've kept us from partnering with God for his purposes because we are distracted by our own purposes. We're not used to saying no to a good thing and wait for God's better thing. You know, it's easy for us. Sorry, it's not easy for us. But it wasn't easy for Paul and Timothy and Silas either, you know, to keep kind of having the Spirit tell them no and just waiting until he shows up and tells them yes. But they were human too, and it was possible for them. So it's possible for us as well. I have a video for you guys.
right. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is a, a famous psychological study done in the 60s and 70s. It's been repeated over and over again. Uh, but what it does, it measures uh, kind of um, delayed gratification skills in four and five-year-olds. And what the uh, psychologist found is that uh, children, young children, four, you know, ages four or five or whatever, uh, who, who have skills in delayed gratification, in waiting and saying no to a good thing in the moment, in wait of a better thing, uh, if they have those delayed gratification skills, it actually predicts long-term success academically and financially in adults, which is a you know, really interesting research. And this study has been done over and over again. If you don't like marshmallows like me, you can do this with like, I don't know, uh, Hershey's Kisses or M&M's or Oreos or whatever. Still works. Uh, and recently, what's interesting is some psychologists have come out and done other studies with different controls and, and quote unquote debunked this, this theory that uh, this study doesn't actually predict academic success, the delayed gratification, etc. But really, they didn't debunk the results. All they did was account for all of the reasons why these children actually do have skills in delayed gratification. So they took into th- account things like uh, their nature, the nurture, you know, kind of the, the culture around these children. If these children were in a home setting where delayed gratification is rewarded, where they see it molded in their parents, oh, they're more likely to practice skills of delayed gratification in this experiment. Uh, but conversely, if, for example, a child comes from a home where delaying gratification is not emphasized or valued, maybe because doing so uh, may be too risky when resources are scarce, then they may not have the cognitive skills or strategies to support delaying in the marshmallow test, even if they want to when they're four or five. So it didn't actually debunk the study. It just said, yeah, whether or not they eat the marshmallow isn't the real reason. There's all these other factors in their experiences that will teach them to say no to a good thing in wait of a better thing. Walter Mischel, who's the psychologist that came up with this study, uh, his theory of self-regulation states, in the process of self-regulation, people change their actions and responses on the basis of past experiences as well as an assessment of the current situation. And I think this pertains to Paul and Timmy and the other missionaries perfectly. Because I think what these guys had experienced was walking with God. What these guys had experienced was the practice of listening for God's spirit and his guidance and his direction. What they had done is they had practiced saying no to their flesh saying no to their desires that they knew were going against the nudging of God's spirit. And based on their experiences of seeing God move mountains previously, and based on their experience and their habits of listening to God presently, they were able to then say no to Asia, say no, not Asia, this Asia, but no to Bithynia, and say yes to God's best plans so they could partner with him in his purposes. But for them... And for us, I think that means we have to be okay with less sexy success. Less sexy success. Because it would be really sexy to go to those big cities like Ephesus and Colossae and go where we want and do what we want to do and have the results that we prefer. Like that's sexy success, right? Desirable. Flashy. But these missionaries had to learn how to say no to that and be okay with something quieter. Something different, something that was God's. And our view of success is not necessarily God's. 
But the Spirit of God had done this work before in these people. And I know many of you guys have seen God move mountains, spiritual mountains, in your lives and lives of your loved ones. You've seen him give you freedom and victory over sin. You've seen him change your heart and the heart of people you love. You've seen and heard of him healing people. But why this is, is because you guys have seen Jesus, the risen one who has conquered death and is alive and active today. You guys have witnessed him. And Paul and his companions remember Jesus too. But they also saw not only what he had done in the past, but what he was doing with them in that moment, even in the rejection and the silence. And we think about those times. Remember those times and remember Jesus and wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not faint. And the words that Jesus left his disciples with will ring true for you in this time and place too. Surely I am with you always to the very end. And Jesus says those words after he's taken on the cross. After he's faced death and won. And he's risen from the dead. And he says, no matter where you go, I will be with you always. When people reject you, when you feel like I'm not present, when you're trying to find partners in the gospel, but you feel like you're doing it all alone, when you're tired and weary, when you feel like you can't say no anymore, I am with you always to the very end. Look to your right and to your left right now. Make eye contact with somebody. You know, these are the men and women that you will partner with. These are your Pauls and your Timothys. These are the people that Jesus has given you to be on mission with. And at some point, one of them is going to let you down. But know that you're not alone, even then. And they're going to come back to your side. And so I have three practices for us this week. Number one is to find partners. Number two is to say no. Not to your partners. (laughs) which is a good thing in weight of God's best thing. And number three is preach the gospel wherever you are. And so let us be those who partner with others, specifically people we know who can follow God's guidance because we've seen them do it before. And let us say no to other endeavors that we might dream up. And let us say no to the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And let us preach the gospel where God has called us. And we just might find that we are indeed partnering with the Lord in his purposes. Amen.